You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind. We're paying homage again today to Jay Hill Marketing's most and freshest and shiniest, newest baby, the book editing house, Bookmark. Bookmark allows you to keep creative control of your book without sacrificing the professional execution. And you can get your book published at a fraction of the cost that the traditional publishing houses charge. So that's pretty cool. Head on over to jhillmark.com slash bookmark to find out more. My guest today is a person that I met a mere seven months ago. My first impression of him was that he is a person who professionally takes no prisoners. In that time that I have known him, he has written not one, but two books. And we're going to talk to him about both of his books, the first one being What I Wish I Would Have Known Before I Started. This book encompasses everything that you need to know before you join a gym. It makes the choice of selecting your gym easier, gives you the idea of what you can expect as well, and it spills the industry secrets. It's the gym secret sauce, if you will. Now, the interesting part about this book is that Aaron simply wanted to give it away as a service to people in his industry, to the clients that he deals with every day at his gym powerhouse, Platinum Fitness. His second book came out this week. It's called The Dark Side Dichotomy, Unleashing Your True Power Through Pain. Now, this book is fascinating. It's going to knock you on your ass because it encourages the reader to embrace their dark side and use it as leverage to live their best life. Aaron is unorthodox, and he writes his own rules period. We are very happy to have him on the show today as he is a no BS force of nature. Please welcome my friend and life innovator, Aaron Nash. (laughs) What's up? How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm awesome. I'm so excited that you're on. We talked about this for a while. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to actually... uh get in here and, and talk with you on this. I know we've had quite a few conversations, uh, not re- well, all recorded, but not all released. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we should not release. No, those. no. <laughs> well, that's, that is just fantastic. It feels like we're coming full circle here and first getting connected. And then I'm helping you, you know, I've helped you with your books, but you have really brought a lot of just different types of innovation to the table in terms of mindset. And like, I could immediately take this deep dive with you, but I want to back up a step and get your elevator speech. I want people to know who you are and what brought you here to this day. Sure. Um, so as, uh, as Hillary said, I'm Aaron Nash. I own, um, multiple fitness centers down in Southwest Florida, uh, as well as a supplement company. And, um, you know, what we specialize in is fat loss. So I've been in the industry for about 17 years and, uh, over the last six years, uh, have specialized in group training for fat loss and realized just how many, um, issues people had. And, and, and my goal was to get to the source of those issues to actually help fix the problem. Cause the problem right now is, uh, the fitness industry is going up like crazy, but so is obesity, which means we're not doing a good job. Uh, and so that was my passion and, and, and my purpose was to s- 
really get to the bottom of why as an industry we're growing at the rate we are, but the results aren't following. And so that's pretty much my elevator speech. So now, do you think that the fitness industry is failing because uh, we are getting fatter? And so the, is the model not keeping up with the obesity or what's going on there? Well, I think the biggest problem is uh, the fad diets, right? Um, the, the number mm. one thing is, honestly, is people want to go do the new thing all the time, even though you know, kind of like every area of life, right? Is the old tried and true is always going to be the old tried and true. People are still just trying to find a, a shortcut. And, um, you know, even like the first book that uh, I'm sure we'll talk about, we really dive into, you know, what program may be right for you. So I specialize in fat loss. My average client, like my ideal client is 25 to 55 years old, has uh, plenty of disposable income because we charge a premium and they have 30 or more pounds to lose. We've helped people lose 80,000 pounds just in the last three years alone. Um, and that's really our niche. And I think the problem is, is, you know, the people who are extremely overweight or have weight issues or injury issues, things like that, probably uh, would need a program like ours, somebody who is a marathon runner or a weightlifter or wants to compete or do a performance event probably would not get the benefit that they want out of what we do. So I think a lot of the problem is, is people try to jump from thing to thing to thing instead of actually doing it for the result they're trying to get to. They do whatever seems cool, whether it's effective for them or not. Okay, I love that. And I hope that everybody listening is paying attention to that because keto is making you fat. Like Atkins, if anybody's still doing Atkins, it's making you fat, right? All of this, uh, oh, what's what's another fad diet? I feel like this could be like uh, a game show. <laughs> paleo, keto, vegan, uh, the gluten thing was a big thing. At the end of the day, if you're eating more calories and you're expending, anything's unhealthy. And I think, you know, one of the biggest things that I always tell our clients is healthy is a relative term. Right. So yeah. what's healthy for Michael Phelps is not healthy for a 40 year old woman who sits at a desk all day. Uh, those are two very, very different terms of healthy. And it's depending on what the outcome that they want. So instead of saying what's healthy, before you start doing any program, you should be asking yourself, what is the result I want? And then you can just reverse engineer it back. And then you're, you're, you're likely more to get the, the program, the nutrition, the supplementation, everything that you need for that specific result, instead of just saying, oh, well, that's healthy. And that's the new thing. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's amazing. And so Michael Phelps, and while you were talking, because I know, like, he's won a bajillion Olympic medals, but you know, he is a freak in nature, yeah. right? <laughs> Well, yeah, like they actually, I, I watched the whole documentary on how his body's so weird uh, okay. that makes him perfect for that. Yes. Is that fair? Do you think? It's like, let's put an alien, which is Michael Phelps in the water next to a typical person. I mean. He, it says his torso is that of a six foot eight, six foot eight person. Yeah. Freakishly long. But they were saying That's the same thing. If he was a, if he was a. Um, like a, a a distance runner or something, like his body would be the absolute worst for that. Like they made a different comparison. So like the people who are the best in the world and win Olympic events, like they have a genetic advantage. Most of them do. Like they're made for that event. It's not like 
he's got some unfair advantage. Like if you look at all the swimmers who actually qualify, most of them are very long in the torso. Like they're all similar to that. Now he's a little bit more freakish, um, but it's not significant. Okay. Because it seems like the ice skaters then are very slender, but they're also like teeny tiny. You can put them in your pocket. Right. Well, that's why they can throw each other 18 feet in the air. <laughs> See, this is why I love talking to you because we just spin off. On right. Like you can't throw my fat things. ass 18 feet in the air. I am not made for <laughs> ice skating. Like you just can't do it. <laughs> well, that's good to know. That's good to know. This is all about body acceptance, yeah, right? And just validation yeah. today. So, but this is a good point because you're customizing fitness and if you, you're taking somebody who's mostly sedentary, and a lot of our listeners are sedentary because they do have disabling conditions or they do have multiple chronic diseases. Mm -hmm. And so you've got people who have physical limitations. What do you say to those people in terms of if you can't get up and, and be very ambulatory, then how can you start to attack your fitness a little bit? Well, so I, I can give you one major example. Um, we had a client who did our, our New Year's challenge a couple of years ago. So we did a six-week program. And she called me about a week before it started. And she was going in to have back surgery. Now, she wasn't disabled, but she literally was going to be couch ridden for six weeks. Yeah. Um, and she was like, I need something to focus on or I'm going to eat myself to death. And I said, yeah. no problem not an issue. You, she obviously could never come into the gym the entire six-week program. And I modified her nutrition for her. She followed the nutrition plan. And in the six weeks on her couch, on her back, uh, she ended up losing over 26 pounds, 32 inches, 6% body fat, and should have won one of our best transformation picture awards. But we didn't feel right giving it to her because she never actually stepped foot in the facility. Um, Wow. Compared to every other member. And we also, I mean, I've had clients with, I always say we're the island of misfit toys because we do not have a perfect client. Like we have, uh, I have a lady who's going through a uh, stage four cancer treatment um, to the point where her esophagus was like blistered. Um, she couldn't mm. stand up after doing like hamstring curls on like furniture sliders because of the chemo. Um, I've had clients with fused limbs. I've had clients with, I mean, you, you name it, every injury in the book, we work with them. Um, and, and part of that though, is we, we do that because even like you experienced, like we have a doctorate of nutrition on staff. We have a doctorate of physical therapy on staff. Um, mm -hmm. because of our niche, we say, okay, what do we need in order to get the best for the ideal client that we're going to have? Well, the ideal client that we're going to have is going to have issues. They're not going to be a perfect able-bodied human who has no injuries and is just, you know, YOLO, you can push them to death. Um, so we do not focus on them, right? So what we focus on is, well, how do we make people better? How do we improve them? How do we help with what, no, no matter what disability or, um, you know, hindrance they may have, how do we start with that? And the first place typically is with their food um, and teaching them what to eat, not telling them what to eat. And that's a big difference. Right. So we can't have the impact we want to have if we have to keep baby birding the same clients over and over. So our goal is to actually educate you so you can do it yourself and then you don't need us the rest of your life so we can go help more people. 
So give me a little secret about nutrition. Give, it's like something sure. people are eating mostly every single day that's just tanking them and making them fat. Sure. I, I think the biggest thing, um, water intake is probably the number one thing that people actually just destroy with because it, it's an appetite suppressant. So when you're hydrated, the mind tells the body the same thing as when it's hungry, when you're dehydrated. Um drinking your water up to half your body weight in ounces of water every day will help promote fat loss. It improves all of your organ function. It improves blood flow. It's an appetite suppressant. It's it's literally like we have the best thing on earth in front of us at all times and it's water. The problem is, is people wake up, drink four cups of coffee with that tastes like, you know, from the movie Elf, if it doesn't taste like one of the four candy food groups, they won't drink it. And I'm the same way, but I only have my one cup, right? And then they drink coffee all morning, they're dehydrated, they don't drink their water, and then they feel like crap, they're fatigued, so they go for an energy drink or a soda or whatever, and it's just this downward spiral and they never just drink regular water. Um, wow. that would be okay. the number one thing that I see. The second thing, and I'll give you a little extra one is just oh, awesome. pairing your foods, uh, properly. So we teach people how to read nutrition labels at a very, very basic rate. But if you're eating four meals a day, five meals a day and get rid of the word snack or graze, just get rid of it. Because if you're doing that all day, your body is constantly in digestion and that takes more energy than anything else you do. So eat and then stop eating. You know, you can eat every three, two to four hours if you want, but stop eating in between that. Don't go grab that handful of anything. Um, and then when you're pairing your foods, typically your protein and carb, you can do first thing in the morning. Obviously, if you can't work out or, or get that physical activity, first thing in the morning is a great time to do your protein and your carb. And the rest of the days, we typically have people doing proteins and fats with some green veggies. And that's, that's the basis of almost all of our programs. That's fantastic. It's almost like you just need the guidelines, mm -hmm. you know, to say, to say, do this, start your day like this, don't do this. So if you're, if you're even, you know, I like to have like protein laying around, so I'll take some a handful of nuts, whatever. But instead of doing that, drink water. Sure. Yeah. So figure out, you know, am I actually hungry or am I thirsty? So let's try drinking water first. Yeah. So the the body's confused is what I'm hearing by everything that we're just throwing at it, whether it's an energy drink, the four cups of coffee, like it doesn't know what to do anymore. Oh no, it knows. The problem is we don't know how to how to um, how to please it, right? So like, there's a whole chart, and I'll send it to you if you want. Um, that yeah, shows we'll like it. if you're Definitely. craving chocolate, like what your body's actually missing, and how you can oh. like like it'll tell you what you're actually low on. So that you don't necessarily need that certain thing. Now, when I first saw this, I said, I don't care what you're trying to tell me. If I want chocolate, I want chocolate. I don't need magnesium. I need chocolate. But in reality, what the body may actually need is not chocolate. So um, That yeah. is crazy. So all my gals listening with their wine glasses up in the air right now, early in the morning with their chocolate. Wine's the only thing that's uh, you don't mess with my wine. That's the only thing. Like I you, you can take my my right arm, but don't take my wine. So. See, I love that. That makes you human. Other people would be like, "Well, you know, I guess I just have to give up the wine." But you have to have something. Yeah. You have to have something. 
Coffee is my thing. I will not give up my one daily cup of coffee that I have with caramel almond milk. I will not give it up. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you break in my house and try and take it from me like it's a fight to the death. Well, and and that goes into most people's problems though, Hillary, is they try to go from zero to hero instead of just realizing that their lifestyle is also like they can't do these events and then go back to how they were. It's just about ingraining little habit changes. That's it. So yeah. Definitely. If you know that every Tuesday night you're going to have book club with the girls and you guys are going to have a bottle of wine, cool. That's a social thing. That's part of your life. We want you to do that. But the rest of the week, how does it look? Do you let that turn into, well, Wednesday I do this and then Thursday it falls into this. And then sooner than later, you realize that you're not really making any healthy choices anymore and you're just going down the hill. So how do we set up our week to have reward perks And then the rest of the time we're working towards our goals because it's okay to take five steps forward and one step back. That's still four steps forward. The problem is when it turns into two and a half steps and three steps and and then the stagnation sets in and then you get frustrated because you're not getting the results you want and so then you quit. So I want to ask you one more thing about nutrition and then we're going to talk about the dark side. So, and I'm sure people are like, hmm, the dark side. What does that mean? It's going to get dark Every in here, Star man. Wars movie. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about, this is a Star Wars movie podcast right now. So all you nerds come up. No, I'm kidding. Um, so let's talk about bedtime eating. Sure. What do you do at night? Because everybody has cravings. You're sitting there. Um, my spouse, my husband, my spouse, and that sounds like, like 1950. <laughs> <laughs> my husband gets up super early, so he goes to bed early. And so then I am left kind of bored and, you know, it's time to stuff my face. I know you probably don't do that. What do you do? Well, I'll tell you this. The reason that people, what you just talked about is actually a myth. Okay. There is not a lot of science behind you can't eat right before bed or the two hours before bed rule or at night or anything else. Here's the reason that people say that is because most of the time right before bed, you're not grabbing chicken and broccoli. (laughs) I'm I'm being serious, right? Like, so I've had, so when I I used to do um, in my twenties, I did a bodybuilding shows naturally. And I got down to 4% body fat. And one of the things I had to do was wake up in the middle of the night and eat oatmeal. I'm not kidding. Plain oatmeal. And I I, I do not eat oatmeal anymore because it ruined my life. Like for 16 weeks, I did it and I I won't even look at it. But I'm not kidding you. And if you go and look at these extreme athletes who we see on all these covers of magazines and everything else who look like Greek gods, they all eat like they eat like that. The problem is, is they have a very scheduled regimented diet put together for them by a nutritionist when in reality – the difference between them and us is we'll probably grab M&Ms. They'll probably mm. eat what they're supposed to. Okay. So you can eat. It's just a matter of what are you eating? Correct. Yeah. So we'll tell our clients, if you get home and you still have one more meal to eat, is it better to skip that meal or eat that meal and go right to sleep? It's always better to hit your numbers. So that way, as a coach, we can adjust how you do based on those numbers. So The problem is, is if you have a coach who's measuring your results, if we don't know the input, how do we adjust the output? Oh, that's true. So do you have people lie to you? Oh, all the time. That's a little- 100%, yeah. And do you know when they're lying? Every single time. (laughs) Here's my favorite one. 
I don't, I had, I had on Wednesday, like, so during our challenges, they'll send in a weekly report to their coach. Right. And this one lady literally was like, well, on Wednesday I had two jelly beans. And I said, there's no one on earth who's only had two jelly beans unless they were sifting through their couch cushions on a sugar Nazi raid, trying to find sweets. That is the only time you've ever had two jelly beans as you found them in your couch cushion. Oh my God. It's not easy. Right. So nobody eats jelly hey, beans off. Season. I'm just telling you, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. What did she say to that? She said, "Okay, you're right." <laughs> oh my god, people are so funny. Aren't I love they? them. They're my favorite thing. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Okay, so let's talk about the dark side. Why do you think people run away from the dark sides? And and tell us in your own words what what that means to you. Um, so, so to me, uh, honestly, the dark side is, it's just pretty much the way that your pain is being channeled. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. pain really, you only have two options and I'm a very black and white person. I do not believe in gray area. Uh, you're either using pain to propel you forward or to destroy you and put you in a place of paralysis and stagnation to move you backward. There is, no other option. Like you don't just get rid of it. You don't just ignore it. Um, bad things happen to every single person. Every single person I've ever talked to on earth has a story, has bad shit that has happened to them. It's a matter of how they are using it and how much time they allow themselves to let it use them in a negative way versus a positive way. So you put a time frame on and I'm not sure if you would if you would say it this way, but I feel like it's a little bit of wallowing. You put a time frame on that to say, all right, I'm going to acknowledge this happened to me. It sucks. So you're not walking away from the emotion, but you're saying, I'm not going to let this define me. I'm going to kind of metabolize it. Yeah. If you will. It's a little fitness analogy there. And um, But then you make sure you come out of it. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that a lot of people uh, have a misconception about is they think that, especially with social media, is that pain is bad. Um, yeah. And it's it's not. Pain is part of life. Uh, it, it really is. Like there, there's no point in your entire – like if someone went through an entire lifetime without any type of pain, they would be the most worthless human being ever because they would have no lessons learned. And very boring right. too. Right. right? And, and- – I was talking to somebody yesterday and she was like, I'm afraid to make mistakes. And it's not like you want to look forward to the mistakes, but you maybe look forward to the lessons in the pain and in the miss. Missteps. Well, and I think, I think that's probably the, and it takes everybody a different amount of time, but once you're aware of it, you start to do it faster, right? It's like any, anything, right? The more you practice it, the better you get at it. But if you sit there and say, okay, like this bad thing happens, it sucks. I'm not happy. I'm not in a good place. Like, that's okay. You can feel like that for a little bit, but at some point you need to sit down and say, Hey, this is what happened, but what can I, what can I use from this? What lessons am I going to take from this? How can I use this to actually, instead of letting it hinder me, how can I use this and say, Hey, I learned this, this, and this. And as long as you learn those things and you apply them, well, cool. You're, you're going to be a better person moving forward. Right now, if you make a mistake and then do it multiple time and time again, well, that's called a decision. And now you're just sabotaging, right? And there's a huge difference there. 
So do you think sometimes people don't know that they're making these decisions? Because when you say sabotage in my head, I get self-sabotage rolling around up there. Like this is uh, a subconscious deal where this is a decision that I choose to make over and over again because it's the only thing that I know how to do. So so break us out of that funk when when you are self-sabotaging yourself because this is how you react to pain. How do you even become aware of that? Uh, you know what? That's one of the hardest things to do. Um, and I, I wish there was a very simple answer, but obviously if, if you're listening to this, uh, it's probably, and you're still interested at this point, you've probably looked for answers, which means you're aware that there's an issue, right? If you're not aware that there's an issue, you're not listening to us right now. Like <laughs> I'm just, that's you're the truth. <laughs> like, you're eating those two jelly right, beans. Right. Like you're, you're scouring couch cushions. You're, yeah. Your earbuds are not in. Um, but I, I mean, so I think yeah. being aware of the fact that you're looking for answers is the big thing, but most of the time what happens for a lot of people is they get the pity, which makes them feel better. Right. So, um, mm. you know, when I was going through my, one of my stints with, with drugs and alcohol, I was blaming my, uh, the, my family divorcing and losing all the, everything that we owned. And that was why I had a drug problem. And, and that was why I was drinking all the time is because, you know, my dad left us high and dry. We had nothing and blah, blah, blah. Well, at the end of the day, it took me 10 years of realizing that the attention I was getting and the pity I was getting wasn't, wasn't producing any positive result. Like it just allowed me to keep going there. And I'd wake up the next year and I'd be like, Hey, this is my year. And I'm surrounding myself by people who pity me for my problems and they're okay with my vices. Well, that's not going to like, you're just going to go in that cycle again. Like you're never going to break that cycle. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it's the shitty pity, you know what I mean? Like you get it and it feels good. And so you have to realize it. You have to say, oh, okay, well, the reason I'm making this decision is because I have said I'm this type of person. I operate as this type of person. I get the pity from doing it. And you know what's gross about that? It feels yeah, good. It's attention. It it feels good. It's attention. And that and that translates to into, oh, I'm loved. I'm important. I'm unforgettable. So you can be the fuck up. You know, you can have the addictions. You can be the person who is, and I hate to even say this, but it is a fact. If you're disabled, or you have a disabling diagnosis, or you have multiple chronic conditions, for example, we can get used to the pity that comes from that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, it's like, oh, this is my new life. But well, it th- this is what feels good about it, and it's and it's shit. Right. Well, I think. And here's the thing. I've never met I've never met somebody who will continually pity you who wants to see you improve. Yeah, that's like oh. because most people who constantly try to make you feel okay with not pushing yourself a little bit, it's because they don't want to see you get better to a certain point, right? Like you can't beat them, you can't pass them. Cause then they're going to be like, well, what the hell's my problem? Right? Like when you see these stories and always the most inspirational stories are these people with disabilities or chronic issues or anything else that overcome all this crap. And that's the stuff that, you know, you see on Facebook and the, I would say the news, but they only cover negative shit. Um, 
you know, you see on social media <laughs> and you so see on true. Instagram is these awesome stories of really great people who've gotten past really incredible things and who work through it every day. Like, but those are the exceptions. Those aren't the rule. And most people live being okay with getting the attention for what they can't do instead of having somebody who says, Hey, I understand you can't do that, but what can you do? Because if you, if you stop focusing on all the, all the woe is me shit and start saying, well, Hey, I might not be able to be this, this, or this, but fuck, I'm real good at this. Like, why can't you just go do more of that? Yes. Yes, that is exactly right. So the reinvention doesn't have to be like, I've been reinvented into this person that is just going to be the wallflower of life. Yeah. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you're, you're never because you have a disability or chronic illness. You're it's never like, well, you know, you're out of the human being game, you know, that that's it. You've got absolutely nothing to offer. That's absolutely not it. It's just a matter. I think it's a matter of the willingness to reinvent yourself also. And people hold on to that old person. They don't want to let it go and they want to be pissed about it. Well, yeah, because it's harder than changing or it's easier than changing. Sorry. It's. Yeah. It's easier than changing, isn't it? Being in pain is easier than changing, which comes with it a different kind of pain. So let's say you wake up tomorrow and you find yourself unable to work outside your home, okay? And you have a new diagnosis, whatever that is, but it's disabling. Now, obviously, you have to process that, get to some level of acceptance, but what does that Aaron do the first thing every day to just capitalize on the day and not be held prisoner? You know, if you can't leave your house, I probably the first thing I would do is, is assess what skills I have that I can use from home. Um, mm-hmm. That would be the first thing. The second thing I would do is question the diagnosis, who it came from, and if that's actually a diagnosis or if I can't beat Smart that. Smart man. Right. Because Smart I think the first man. thing I would probably do mm-hmm. is tell whoever told me I couldn't leave the house to fuck off and I go outside. Um, <laughs> that, because it's one person's you, opinion. You like, you know yeah, what? I, yeah. I mean, how many times do you see stories of people who are told they're never going to walk again? They're never going to do this. You can't leave your house. You can't do this. Well, yeah, you start believing in that. It's going to happen. Um, now, obviously, there's there's diseases and there's medical things that you just can't do at some point. But I think for the most part, a lot of people just accept news instead of challenging news. Um, Oh, I like that. I like that so much. You know, I'm on my third neurologist and I don't even see. And and now the fourth neurologist is no neurologist because this Western medication is a bunch of bullshit. So I, I like that to challenge the news that you've been given. That's so important. It's like. The diagnosis is not the permission to be this new person who is less of themselves. And I'm not trying to put anybody down right now. This And it's such a tricky balance beam, isn't it? Talking about this without, I mean, it, it's yes, it's validation. Yes, you're hurting. Yes, you're in pain. But at the same time, you have to push yourself and create your own reality based on the pieces of life that are still vibrant and alive in you. Well, I, I mean, I'll give you a perfect example of something that really worked for me was um, I got 
God, it was about six weeks ago where I went through a really uh, painful event in my life. Um, and one of the things that I, I, I had debated quitting on a lot, of, like guys, if you think that people that do things don't debate about quitting a thousand times a year, you're wrong. Uh, they do. Um, every single, like I've wanted to quit what I do probably a thousand times. Um, right. Just and and the pain aspect of it yeah. is I, what I learned, and I, I got this from a Tony Robbins event that I went to. Um, and what he had us do was we closed our eyes and we took the decision, right? The bad decision or the the bad thing that happened to us or whatever you're going through. And we said, okay, what's the worst case scenario here? Like I could give up, I could do this, I could lose this, I could blah, blah, blah. In a year, what could my life look like? And then you went out to two years. If you just kept on that worst case scenario roller coaster all the way to five years mm-hmm. later to the point where you've literally sat in that pain for so long that you open your eyes and go, dude, like that's not an option. Like I don't want that life. Yeah. And I think like I, I, six weeks ago, that happened to me. It took me three or four days till my wife finally looked at me and said, like, I've never seen you like this and I hate that person. And I had to look myself in the mirror and I had to say, dude, like, you're going to let this beat you. Like, you're going to let this beat you. In five years, you're going to be working at 7-Eleven third shift because you can't do anything else because you're so afraid to go out in public that you're going to let this stupid thing beat you and everything that you're meant to do is going to be beaten by this. And I think that so many people don't look at the big picture of a diagnosis or something bad that happens. They, they live in the event so hard that they don't have an ability to step outside of it and say, hey, people go through this all the time. People like I guarantee there's no one listening who is a one of seven billion with whatever they're going through. No, no. And that is really important. That, that is highly, highly important. But I like what you said about living in the event. And I think that's super important. It, it gives everybody an exercise to do. So when you are just lambasted with you know, life just sucker punches you in the face. Stop for a minute. Obviously, you you know, you have to get out of the shock of it and the denial and all those things. But when you've accepted it, stop for a minute and extrapolate forward. Like you said, to one year, two years, five years. Do you want to be that person? I think that's a really smart exercise to do because it's, it gives you almost factual knowledge of what your life is going to be like. That's why people are so quick to say, well, I don't want to do that today. I'm just going to take a day off from that today. But as you talked about, that's a slippery slope. What are you going to do tomorrow? Because that turns into the next day and the next day and the next day. And that's why consistency every single day is so important. Well, and, and I, t- I talk about this um, a little bit in the book, but I did a, a, a talk on this. And it's really, I I was blessed by having my parents get divorced. Um, I was blessed by having my dad come out of the closet, by my dad end up going to jail, by I haven't heard from him in the last 12, 13 years. And then what I did hear six months ago is he got kicked out of his apartment for finding over a thousand heroin needles in his apartment. So so here's the thing though, is the blessing in that is, I actually know what happens because he owned a business for 26 years. 26 years he owned a business, lost everything. I mean, literally everything to the point where that's where he is now at 62 years old. 
or 63, whatever he is. I don't know. Um, but honestly, I have the blessing of knowing what quitting looks like. So I I literally go, do I want to be 62 putting a needle in my fucking arm? Cause that's what quitting looks like. Absolutely. And look at the people around you. Like my wife would leave me. Her son would leave me. My dogs wouldn't be there anymore. I would have no employees. Like, like everybody that relies on me for even a minuscule thing, you mean something to somebody. Like you mean something to somebody. You're an example to somebody, whether you like it or not. The only question is whether it's a good one or a bad one, but you have that choice. Yeah, absolutely. And you do mean something to somebody. And it's so easy when you're sitting in the dark to say, I don't don't mean anything to anybody and nobody's going to miss me and all of those things. But that is simply not the case. I mean, I don't even know from a scientific angle if that's possible to exist in a world where you're constantly bumping into people and think that you don't leave an impact. I think it's almost like scientifically unproven. Yeah, I I mean, I'll tell you what, though. I went through a while where, I mean, you can hide online pretty well. You you can hide behind a computer screen pretty well and still pretend like you're not. Um, You know, I played video games professionally for a couple of years. Oh, I yeah. love this story. Oh my God. I always forget to talk about this. But I, but I did that, that because I, like, I, I was so huh? ash- like, I started getting into that because I was just ashamed to go outside. Cause I was not anywhere near someone I was proud of. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And you, you, but I mean, you as a young person wanted more. Even in the darkest moments of your life, you you had those glimmers, it seems to me, that peeked in at you in your life where you were like, I don't want to stay in the dark. I'm not denying the dark. I'm not denying the power of the dark, but I don't think I'm, I'm meant to live no, here. I, well, and I always, when I was growing up, and I know that people will probably relate to this, I was a huge superhero fan. I loved anything, comics, superhero, movies, like Lord of the like – any of any of it. I don't care. Fantasy, science fiction, I was in. Um, but I always felt growing up that like I was like X-Men was my favorite and I always felt like I was a mutant. Like I always felt like there was something about me that was different. And the only person I've ever heard actually touch on that – and I really honestly think everybody has done that. Everybody has said, what is wrong? Why, why do I feel so different when I watch everybody else – in this world. And I think everybody has that to some extent. And all that those things, I was like, man, it'd be cool if I could fly, if I had Wolverine claws, if I had this, if I had that. Well, what it was, was it was my potential of what I could be saying, listen, you moron, like you're fucking better than this. Like <laughs> you have superpowers. They just might not be, you're yeah. invisible, right? You might not be able to fly, but fuck dude. That OCD and the ADHD you have can make you a jet fuel rocket propulsion of get shit done when you put it to good use. Like you have superpowers. Yeah, that's amazing. And you've thought, I mean, at the time, you thought your superpowers were like you're invisible. So I, I like that. I like that contrast right there where you can think your superpowers are that you are supposed to be invisible, but actually that's not what it is. Your superpowers are are not meant to make you smaller. They're meant to make you bigger and the best version of yourself. And people are afraid to step into their 
full power. Do you think that's why you stayed in the dark for so long? Because you were afraid of what completely and and totally, you know, the best version of yeah, Aaron oh, 100%. is? Yeah, 100%. I, I, I stayed there so long. I mean, I, I was there for 12 years, I, and I still struggle with a lot of it. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing is at some point you have to realize that you're never going to be perfect or cured or healthy or better in every area. Like you're always going to have things that hold you back that are weaknesses that you have to work on, that you struggle with, that you have demons inside. Like there's always that shit. The only difference between you and the person who does what you want to do is they actually just took the action anyway. That's it. Yeah, and they just took the one. It might even be yeah. just one step. Just one step a day is enough to empower you. And it doesn't the rest have to be a big step. I mean, even like we talked about in the book, like it can be as simple as saying, "Hey, you know what? Today I'm going to drink a liter of water before I have my coffee, and I'm going to do that every day. And if yep, I do that every absolutely. day, I'm checking off the calendar as yep. a win. And eventually, that becomes habit to where you can start another one." Oh my God, you just have me so motivated to suck down all the lemon water today, <laughs> which is awesome. So I want to, before we close, I want to talk about one last important thing, and that's competition. Because right now in social media, and you talk about this in the book too, there is this perception that everybody around us is perfect. So that you look at their lives, this is the highlight reel. Somebody's getting married, somebody's having a baby, somebody's doing this and that. And then you're over here going, well, what the fuck? You know, what's my life like? How can I compare to that? You do something that's very special every single morning that I've never heard anybody else do. Are you, are you what is to that fuck thing? Fuck you hours? Is that what you're Okay. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> I want to make sure that's where you were going because otherwise I was like, I don't know. Uh, we might have to edit that out. Otherwise, it's going to get weird. Um, no. So I, I've, I'll tell you what. I'm very – if you guys are into social media influencers and motivators, um, a personal friend and mentor of mine is Andy Frisella. Um, I love Andy. He's one of my favorite people ever. But people like him, David Goggins and Tim Grover, like those are my tribe. Okay. These are the guys who like you, most people will tell you, Hey, you know, love everybody. We're all this, we're all that. No, uh, I'm not that guy. I, I, I don't like most people. Um, and I just don't, <laughs> but I really don't like, like if you spite me or if you go the other way or you're not with me and you're against me, that whole thing. Like I have people that every single day I use as motivation as to why I need to go out and do more because I just want to bury them. Like, I just want to, like, I don't want it to be, I barely beat you. Like I want it to be like an Alabama home opener. Like I want to beat you 77 to nothing. Like oh. I really do. Like, and oh. I want like every single day and it happens all the time, especially as you start doing things, the more that you do, the more people are going to want to try to pull you back from where you came out of. So that they feel more fucking comfortable. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. It's yeah, like the crabs in the pot. It's hundred percent the crabs in the pot. And yep, yep. I would rather end up sitting at dinner with a boiled pot, eating the whole damn thing. Like that's how I want to end my life. Like if you had a picture of my life at the end, it would be the pot of crabs I crawled out of, and me with a tub of butter eating those motherfuckers. Like that would be it. <laughs> so you're. 
<laughs> so a little Whatever. bit of cannibalism yeah. is what I'm hearing sure. in the last hour, right? <laughs> so talk to me about the fuck you hour. Um, what does it, that do? It kind of allows you to be human a little bit. I, I, I think it allows you to be like, you know what? Like, like, and I'll scroll through other gyms um, that are in my area. I'll scroll through uh, people who either have lied to me, spited me, uh, tried to take shit that I have, um, you know, tried to hold me down or do whatever. Like, I'll go through that, get that out of the way. Um, and, and, and I've actually, you know, since we've, we've met, I've actually downed that, um, to three days a week. And I am trying to actually, I've, I've added two days of, of gratitude. Um, Oh, where instead of just solely focusing on hate, because here's the thing is obviously that only gets you so far, right? Like you, it it does and it works, but I think most people are afraid of that. I think on the other side, you can't then stay in that anger all day. Like you have to have a switch and get out of it. And the issue with the fuck you hour is you can't stay there longer than the hour. So, right. So you have to have a trigger to get out of it. And so what I've found is I, and I still struggle with this is I'll let an hour turn into me being in a bad foul mood when I have so much to be grateful for. Mm. So what I've started to do now is spend as much time going into the other side so that I can snap out of it quicker. And when I'm done with my hour, I can go, okay, now how can I help people? Okay. This is wonderful. And I want to provide some context here. So the fuck you hour is a dedicated hour in your day. Now this has turned into the fuck you <laughs> slash gratitude hour. So it's a dedicated hour in your day where you're going to sit down and have all the feels. You're going to feel this was disappointing. This person hurt me. Um, this is a competitor of mine who is not treating me well and not playing nicely. So I'm going to, in my head... I'm going to get all my rage out. I'm going to get all my frustration out in my head. Now, you're not allowed to be a keyboard warrior during the fuck you hour. And then you've got to flip it. Now you've got to flip it to gratitude. Gratitude is fascinating. And you mentioned this in your book, that the act of simply searching for gratitude equals to your brain that you have found gratitude. And what does gratitude do from an internal wiring standpoint when you find gratitude it's relaxing i I mean to be honest the number one thing that so many people struggle with is they're so stressed and nervous and they're busy and they're like when you're in that state and you're honestly trying to be like grateful for things like you slow down right because you're trying to think about those things and nothing else seems to matter one of my favorite quotes ever is you can't be angry and happy at the same time so oh, it's like, it's so if I'm going to be angry, I'm going to be angry. And you're allowed to be angry. Anger is part of life. But when I'm going to be happy, focus on that and allow yourself to be happy. Like you can't be happy with a side of anger. That's not how life works. Like you can either be one or the other. So if you're still like, oh yeah, I'm happy, but fuck that guy. Like, no, you're still in anger. Like you're still very much in anger. <laughs> I'd be happier if you were dead. No, no, that's not I'm what so we're happy that- Like that's not happiness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even if you just add the word happy onto it, right. but I, that, but that I said I'm help. happy, damn it. That's not, no, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. Wow. 
so much good stuff from you today. I'm so glad that you took the time. I know you're insanely busy and I just, I love it when we're able to sit down and talk. And I'm so glad that you took the time to talk to people today and share your very unique perspective. It, it gives them permission to be themselves today. And and I, I hope that people listening are are just taking a moment to say, yeah, fucking right. You know what? I'm a good person, even though I feel emotions, not even though I feel emotions, but I'm a good person who has emotions. Right. And, and, there's, okay. and there's two sides to emotions and we can't just pretend that there's not. And we're allowed to feel them all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Such a pleasure having you Thank on you. today. Thank you so much, Aaron. It's relieving when someone advocates that it's okay to be you. In this world of influencers and entrepreneurs and one percenters who are saying, let's hustle and grind and let's be up and let's be optimistic, it can feel disingenuous to simply be a person who has feelings. It can feel like people are squashing your emotions and you're not enough because you're a human being. That's what I love about Aaron and his books, plural. He doesn't walk away from the tough conversations and allows himself and other people around him to feel pain, to acknowledge it, but then he has a plan for working through it and coming out on the other side. If you haven't picked up his book on Amazon yet, it is a must-read. The Dark Side Dichotomy is going to change your life. And if you are considering joining a gym and you want to get the secret sauce, then you need to pick up his book Everything that you need to know before you join a gym. Both of these are available on Amazon. You can get the salacious industry secrets to make your best choice. And if you're in a dark place in your life or you're just a regular dang person who's trying to make it through this crazy, busy, chaotic, bombarding world, Dark Side Dichotomy is going to help you both discover your inner authenticity and allow you to feel the emotions that you need simply to be you with permission. To get in touch with Aaron, please head on over to Instagram at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N 20. Follow him. Give him a like. He's got a lot of good shit happening going on. Now, before we get out of here today, Robert Wiseman would kick me in the booty if I did not ask you all to do a favor. And that favor is, if you can, please share the show with somebody and I want to ask you something on top of that, too. I know it takes a couple of minutes out of your day, but head on over to iTunes and leave a review as well. So that's two things. If you like the show, share it. Please leave a review. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. It is amazing the traction that you get and the reach that you get when you do those two simple things and how you can help us out. We would be forever grateful for you, as we always are. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Thanks so much for listening. Be well.